Dr. Crawford Loritz is profoundly aware of how his life was marked and shaped by a father who was there. My dad used to say to me as I was growing up, and particularly I was facing difficult times and maybe I didn't want to follow through on something and I said I was going to do something and boy, he would pull me aside and said, son, all you have at the end of the day is what you say. That's all you have. That's all you have. And you better be good by what comes out of your mouth. Integrity. If you say you are this, then it needs to be reflected in how you act. This is Family Life Today. Our host is Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. A lot of what Crawford Loritz understood about parenting came from watching a father who did the job well. We'll hear more from him today. Stay with us. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. You know, we've uh, we've often said that behind every great man, there's a there's a great woman, or that we stand on the shoulders of of others. I don't know how often it's been reflected on that behind great men and women are often faithful moms and dads who uh, did their job well and created a a foundation for their sons and daughters to grow up in, where those sons and daughters thrive. You know, as you talk about that, uh, I can't help but think of our, about our guest on the program today who uh, gave a message at the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission's parenting conference back last August. I sat in the audience as I listened to my friend Crawford Loritz speak about his, uh, his heritage that uh, Crawford was given by his great-grandfather, Peter, who he described as a praying, singing slave. Yeah. And he passed on a living faith that now resides in in Crawford's life and in also Crawford's four children and I think soon his 10 grandchildren as well. Yeah, Crawford is uh, a friend of ours. He and his wife Karen have spoken at Weekend to Remember Marriage Getaways for years. Crawford is also the pastor at Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia, suburban Atlanta. And uh, he's spoken around the world on a variety of issues, including marriage and family. And his message at the parenting conference you were attending was a riveting message. In fact, we thought this is one our listeners need to hear. And so today we're going to hear part one of Crawford Loritz talking about lessons he learned on integrity from a father who lived it. About 20 years ago, I wrote a book entitled Never Walk Away, Lessons on Integrity from a Father Who Lived It, and obviously it's about my dad's incredible impact on my heart and life. In fact, next to Jesus Christ, my father has had the most uh, important, um, uh, strategic, wonderful influence on my life. Who I am today, so much of what I think and how I feel and how I act and particularly my approach to my marriage and our family, has popped signature all, all over me. You know, Dan Fogelberg wrote a song a number of years ago, uh, a ballad. Um, part of the refrain of that song goes something like this. The leader of the band is tired, his eyes are, gro- are, growing, are growing cold, his blood is in my instrument and his song is in my soul. My life is just a poor attempt 
to imitate the man. I'm just a living legacy to the leader of the band. My father was the grandson of a slave. Uh, he was born in 1914, February 13, 1914. He was the youngest boy of 14 children. Uh, so his grandfather, Peter, my great-grandfather was a slave. Peter, they say, my dad remembers him. Peter lived to be an old man. Peter was a singing and a praying man, he said. Some of my father's most vivid memories was seeing uh, his grandfather rock back and forth on the old homestead of uh, uh, there in Catawba County, North Carolina, a place called Newton Conover, where he would just sing and pray. Peter was an illiterate man. Uh, couldn't read, couldn't write, uh, but he loved Jesus, and get this, he passionately loved the Word of God. Uh, the stories told, the legend is, is that he would have his children and grandchildren read him familiar passages of Scripture over and over and over and over and over and over again, and the old boy had committed a lot of that to memory. But here's what I want you to catch. Uh, despite the fact that Peter was a slave, and uh, let's not glorify slavery, uh, families were intentionally broken up. When uh, young boys reached about 14, 15, 16 years of age, they bought a high price. They were studded out, so to speak. And so it was not our, our most bright and shining moment. It created a whole lot of damnable things that we are still dealing with in our culture today. But despite all of that, I don't know what happened to Peter, Peter developed a passion and a love for God and a love for his family. And because of his commitment to Jesus Christ and his commitment to his family, he forged generations of strong men, strong male leadership, and strong families. Um, I stand here just humbled. I, I, I don't take credit for any of this. I don't know why I was born and raised in a household where my dad showed up and where he loved the Lord and he loved his family and he left a signature over us. Why wasn't I born in a situation where he wasn't there? Uh, why wasn't I born with huge deficits in my heart and life? And what I want to say today and in, in underscore before us is that, you know, we, uh, one of my great concerns about where evangelicalism is going today is that somehow or another, in our desire to become intellectually palatable and acceptable in the marketplace of life, and to broker influences in the corridors of power, and to not be looked as dumb and stupid Christians, uh, part of my concern is that we're wandering away from the spiritual core of who we really are. And the power that's necessary and needed. And don't ever underestimate the gospel. Don't under, ever underestimate the power of the Spirit of God. And don't ever underestimate the power of prayer to change your life and future generations. That is to be the centerpiece of our parenting. It's not the quid pro quo or the various strategies and coping mechanisms, although they might be important, and the tips that we get and the books that we read and the blogs that we read and podcasts and that kind of thing. Absolutely wonderful. But at the end of the day, the thing that's going to shape your future, shape your family, help your child to make it home before dark spiritually, are a few calluses on your knees with an open Bible and a walk before God. And that must never be forsaken. That has got to be the centerpiece of what, what we're really, really all about. My father played baseball in the old Negro Leagues. And uh, 
He lost an eye in a coal mining accident back in the day when he was playing the uh, late 30s and early 40s. Uh, They had to work in the off-season, and he was a natural gas explosion there in Kentucky, and he lost a right eye and uh, moved to New Jersey, and that's where my, my, my sisters and myself, we were born. Pop always showed up. Uh, He wasn't perfect, but he was a man of impeccable integrity. Impeccable integrity. My father, this is not Pollyannish, this is not, I'm not revisiting history, but my dad never made a promise to me or my sisters that he did not keep. Now, he may have said, son, I would be at your ball game, and he had discovered he had to work and had to, uh, to work something else out. But on balance, he never made a promise that he didn't keep. His word was his bond. He was, uh, he was a little bit paranoid about showing up. In fact, I couldn't even quit a part-time job that I had as a teenager. Uh, I better have a good, a good excuse for that because he said, if you told that man you're going to show up, you show up. And we've kind of raised our kids the same way, especially our boys when they were playing sports. My rule around the household, if you play, you stay. You don't quit because it's hard. You don't quit because it's difficult. You don't quit because there's a little bit of opposition. You don't quit because you don't like the situation. You show up. You finish the endurance ride. And one of my abiding concerns about some of us in this generation right now is that we won't stick around long enough to get what we need in order for us to get what we want. And sometimes what we need is to finish that endurance ride and integrity, integrity is refined and built in the crucible of suffering and adversity. Integrity cannot be strengthened unless there's opposition because integrity is lodged in who you really are and what you really, what you really, really believe. The essence of parenting is to be a portrait of the desired destination. The essence of parenting is not necessarily great insights and tools. The truth of the matter is that the power and the authority that we have to shape the next generation is lodged in what we model and what they see in front of us and not necessarily what we say. In fact, that's what the Bible's all about. The Bible's into prophetic leadership. And that is that if you're going to lead anything in the scripture, and this is the reason why character is so terribly important, if you're going to lead anything in the scripture, it's not about your ability to plan and to have insights and to line things up and to recruit and to develop the resources and to think outside the box and all of these things that we celebrate today. But if you're going to lead anything in the Bible, anything that has God's name over it, anything that stewards what God wants to do from one generation to the next, then you have to embrace the reality that you've got to be the portrait of the desired destination. There's no other way. And whatever I want my children to be, they have to see it in me. They have to see me aggressively moving toward that. Because they were born, they were born to be drawn toward what they see, what they see. Now, my dad, he didn't have, any, uh, didn't have a college degree. He was a salt-of-the-earth kind of person. But his understanding of the Word of God and his understanding, understanding of what, um, what it took to be the leader in his household and what he saw from his father, Milton, my grandfather, and his great-grandfather, Peter, he passed on. That he realized that if he didn't want his children to lie, he better not be telling a bunch of lies. He understood that if he wanted his children to be people who would stand up and look people in the eye and tell the truth and follow through on their commitments, then he had better do the same. 
If he wanted kids that would love their wives and husbands and put them first in their lives, then he better not dog out my mother and, and put her down or disrespect her or treat her. If he wanted us kids to go to church, then he needed to make sure that he was there leading the way. Integrity, integrity, integrity. Integrity is a state of being whole, undivided, moral predictability, behavior and choices that reflect your core beliefs and convictions. That's what integrity is really all about. My dad used to say to me as I was growing up, and particularly I was facing difficult times and maybe I didn't want to follow through on something and I said I was going to do something and boy, he would pull me aside and said, son, all you have at the end of the day is what you say. That's all you have. That's all you have. And you better be good by what comes out of your mouth. Integrity. If you say you are this, then it needs to be reflected in how you act. I'm really concerned with our culture. We're gigging and gaming one another. We, the images are all so very important to us. We heard uh, last night about that. Uh, we're texting and tweeting and Facebooking and Instagramming and Snapchatting and all of this. And, and we actually think that we are what people think we are rather than leading with who we really are. And it's terribly, terribly, terribly important. Parenting is all about preparing a generation for a time that you cannot see. And that's the driving force behind all of us. One of the great benefits of suffering and one of the great benefits of Jim Crow, interestingly enough, and the sovereignty of God, is because they didn't have a lot of margin, they didn't have a lot of filler, they didn't have a lot of applause from the broader community. And so my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my dad, and and my uncles who grew up during Jim Crow, they realized that all they had was one another and all that they had was home. And they were passionate about things becoming better. And they had a vision for you doing more than what they were able to do. Boy, I tell you what, when my dad, if, 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 if you wanted to hear my dad wax eloquent, uh, just let one of us drag ourselves and show that we were not really appreciative of the price that he had to pay and my uncles and aunts had to pay in that generation. He would say to me on more than one occasion, hey, hey, son, is this the best you can do? Is this the best you can do? Do, do, do you understand where we couldn't go? Do you understand what we couldn't have? Do you understand the opportunities that God has given to you? So son, you better, you better step up and act like you're going somewhere. These people paid a price for you to have this opportunity. Parenting takes a look at where things ought to be and where that child could be and leverages the moment in history to get them there. That's what parenting is all about. Your child is just passing through. And our job is to point them toward God and point them toward the door. That's what our responsibility is. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, yeah, I tell you what, man, I'm just, we're empty nesters. Hallelujah. Go means get out. And we have a three-day rule at our house when our adult kids, now my grandkids, they can say as long as they want. God bless them. But we got a three-day rule at our house. 
If God could raise Jesus in three days, you can get up out of my house in three days. That's what I'm saying. Y'all just bring all kinds of drama, man. I'm just saying. For good or bad, see you later. <laughs> when my father was dying back in 1995, he had congestive heart failure. And uh, the last few years of his life was very difficult for me because here's a man that worked hard his whole life. My father worked, uh, he usually was working more than one job and uh, took care of his family. His great joy was being able to provide for us. And to see him go downhill was just, I mean, it was just gut-wrenching for me. Strong, and yet he could barely make it. Well, the end was coming and he was dying. And I'll never forget this. It was a poignant moment. I was standing next to his bedside and he just looked at me in a moment of lucidity and said, uh, boy, I did the best I could. I said, Pop, you did a great job. And he said, son, I want you to take care of your mom and your sisters. What was he doing? He was passing a torch, passing a baton. The race is over. My whole life, I've always wanted to be like him. My whole life. I always wanted to think like him my whole life. I'm in leadership now, and I tell people all the time, you know, my greatest lessons in leadership, sorry, I mean, I, you know, I should have read your blog. I didn't read your book. <laughs> Sorry, but my greatest lessons in leadership came from the grandson of a slave. Who day in and day out and day in and day out every day of his life showed up and when he would blow it and mess up, you make it right. I'll tell you this quick story before I slide into First Kings chapter 2 and talk about the handoff and I'll be done. When I was 12 years old, uh, you know, I, you know, typical twelve-year-old guy. I had a number of brain cramps, and um, <laughs> on the way to school in the spring, we would walk past this factory that made these chains. And I don't know why I did this, um, but I was with some friends of mine. We get, we would we there's some open boxes, and we stole some chains. There's like chains, necklaces, and stuff. We stole them, and uh, thought we had gotten away with something. This was the absolute worst day of my life, though, because uh, what happened, my father used to work nights, but he rotated one evening a week that he was off, and he happened to be off that evening in the providence and sovereignty of God. And uh, so the telephone rang at the house, and uh, uh, it was a policewoman named Mrs. Brown. Uh, yeah, I don't want to say some things that's being recorded, but Mrs. Brown, let's just say she was, she was tough. And... Um, <laughs> There's this kid by the name of Stanley that looked just like me, believe it or not. I know it's impossible. We could pass for twins. Well, when Mrs. Brown called the house, my mother gave the phone to my dad, and my dad's listening, and as he's, she's talking to him, he's looking at me, and I'm saying, this is not going to end well. And so um, she, he, she told him, well, Stanley had told Mrs. Brown where to go, where she didn't need an overcoat, okay? You got that picture? And um, um, she thought that I told her that. Now, I have to confess, I felt like it on a number of occasions, but I didn't do that. Did 
So, the, you know, the, uh, Pop hangs up the phone and he looks at me and said, boy, have you lost your mind? I said, and I was talking fast. I, uh, Pop, I didn't do that. I didn't, he didn't do disrespect. I didn't do that. And, and right after that, I kid you not, so, uh, the, there was a knock on the front door. He opens the door and there were policemen there. What had happened was that my friends who had stolen the chains and I was a part of that group uh, told on me they had gotten caught and this was the worst night of my young life. I won't bore you with all the details of the story, but I will tell you this. At the, we went down to the, the, the factory and got the liver scared out of us, and Pop dropped a couple of those boys off. They didn't have dads in the home. And uh, when we walked into the house, I had not seen my dad cry except for at funerals of his siblings. And I'll never forget this. He looked at me, and a tear began to trickle down his cheeks. He said, son, you hurt my heart. Then he did a few other things to make sure that my behavior would <laughs> line up with the expectations. So, <laughs> yeah, you weren't hurt that bad. <laughs> that crushed me. It broke me. It broke me. I forgot about the other exclamation mark. But the reason why it broke me is because I always wanted to be like my father. And he would not have done that. He said, son, if you wanted someone, you asked me, you don't ever have to steal anything. You hurt my heart. We're going to break in here. We've been listening to the first part of a message from our friend Crawford Loritz talking about the important role that his father played in marking his own life. I don't know that we as parents understand how our example, our model, our words, our actions, they are indelibly imprinting things on the hearts and minds of our children, things that will live with them. For decades. And turn them from doing what's wrong to yeah. doing what's right. And I know we've been talking about uh, the power of a dad who has integrity, but moms are powerful too as well, uh, Bob. And I just want to encourage moms and dads today to assume your office, the great privilege of being a dad and a mom, to assume it with integrity and to make sure that your words as much as possible, that your words match up with your life. In other words, you do what you say you're going to do. You fulfill your promises. Mm -hmm. I look back on my dad, and my dad didn't need a bunch of lawyers to, to be tied up to make sure he fulfilled his promises. All you needed from my dad was a handshake, and uh, it was good. If he gave his word, he was going to do it. And, and Bob, I, I don't know who I would be today if I had not observed a man who came from a broken home. My dad's father abandoned his eight children uh, back in a time when it, uh, it wasn't culturally acceptable in any way whatsoever, and yet my dad was not a victim. Mm -hmm. My dad earned his living and grew up within three miles of the log cabin where he was born, and uh, he died with a good name. And I, I can just say to you as a listener, one of the greatest gifts you will give your children is that of a good name, a father, a mother who lived out 
what he or she believes in front of your children. There's a great need for that today as never before. You know, we're about six or seven weeks now from releasing a resource that we have been working on for more than a year now that actually Crawford's son, Brian, and his daughter-in-law, Corey, are a part of. It's a video series called Family Life's Art of Parenting, eight sessions that you can go through in a small group, or there's going to be a digital experience of the art of parenting, something you can go through as a couple online. And all of this is designed to help moms and dads understand what the biblical priorities for parenting ought to be. In fact, we're kicking all of this off with a a movie that's going to be in theaters for two nights only, May 1st and May 3rd, a movie that we've produced called Like Arrows. Got help with this from our friends Alex and Stephen Kendrick, and Alex has a role in the film, and it's all designed to to raise the issue of parenting. We really want to, to begin a movement of intentional parenting in our culture, and that's what these resources are all about. You can find out more about what's coming when you go to familylifetoday.com and click the parenting link you see there. Again, our website is familylifetoday.com. And let me also mention, Dr. Crawford Loritz has written a book about his father, a book called Never Walk Away, Lessons on Integrity from a Father Who Lived It. And it's a book that we have in our Family Life Today Resource Center. You can order the book from us online as well at familylifetoday.com or call to order one 800 358 6329. That's 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. You know, I mentioned this new emphasis on parenting. One of the things we're working on is a strategy to get uh, this material into the hands and hearts of people who don't listen to family life today, folks who may not be actively involved in a local church, but people who would be open to understanding what the Bible teaches about how we raise the next generation. And we believe there are a lot of folks like that who are developing strategies right now that will help us get this material into their hands. We've calculated it's going to take us about $10 a home to be able to reach someone with this content and get them engaged with what they're hearing. And, of course, they'll have a chance to hear the gospel as uh, we do that. We'd love to ask you to help support the work that we're doing to help uh, us reach more people with God's design for marriage and family. It's easy enough to do. You can donate online at familylifetoday.com, or you can call to donate at 1-800-FL-TODAY. When you get in touch with us and make a donation as a way of saying thank you, we want to send you seven prayer cards. These are designed so that you as a parent or grandparent can be praying more purposefully, more intentionally for your children or your grandchildren. They tuck right into your Bible. They're our gift to you when you donate to help us reach more folks with practical biblical help and hope for marriages and families. So we look forward to hearing from you, and thanks for your partnership with us. And we hope you'll join us back tomorrow when we're again going to hear from Dr. Crawford Loritz about the priorities of parents. I hope you can tune in. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back tomorrow for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas, a crew ministry. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.